1: Ready, down, put 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 This
0: is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears, Go Bears! presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
2: Welcome in Bears fans to another edition of the Bear Report podcast presented to you by the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. I'm on your host Zach Pearson. I'm joined as always by my co-host Aaron Lemming and today we are going to break down the latest of the Chicago Bears. A couple of free agency moves that they have made um, after signing Andy Dalton and, and as well as talk the latest on the Bears. And Aaron, uh, before we get into all that, man, um, we are back with another episode. Last week was kind of weird because we gave our live reaction to um the annie dalton signing and now this week you know things have calmed down a little bit
3: yes they have and i don't know about you but i'm still feeling the same exact way about dalton last week that i did this week i mean it's just you know (laughs) it's one of those situations where they are where they are and you know unfortunately um we've seen some more fallout um from just you know, where they're at with the cap situation and, you know, what this team is realistically looking like moving into the draft and moving into the season. And obviously, Hey, th- don't get me wrong. We still got a lot of off season to go. Um, but I mean, the big moves are over with, I mean, you know, just to kind of recap some of the stuff, you know, we recorded the stuff on Annie Dalton at that point, Trent Williams is still on the table, obviously Trent Williams, didn't end up happening and then, you know, the other big potential move was Kenny Galladay and Kenny Galladay ended up getting a big deal uh, with the New York Giants, which hey, I don't blame the Bears for not doing a deal like that because frankly, you know, a one year, 11 or 12 million dollar deal, you know, prove a deal, you match him with Al Robinson for a year, you, either tag one or sign one, uh, next off season, you let the other one walk, you get a comp pick. Okay, cool. You know, but obviously with Kenny Galladay getting a four year, $72 million deal and what like $40 million guaranteed coming off a year where he hardly played, it just doesn't make a ton of sense because realistically, you know, Allen Robinson is going to be somewhere in the 18 to $20 million price range. You can't have two of those guys. And if you're asking me to choose between the two, obviously it's going to be Allen Robinson. So, you know, we're just kind of at that point where we're seeing a lot of, I guess you could say value signings. I don't know if I'd really call any of these value signings that the bears have made. I would say more, more the point depth signing, which is fine. I mean, that that just is what it is right now. But again, what we're seeing with the bears right now is the fact that they do not have a lot of money to work with. They don't have a lot of resources in general, which is something we've been talking about for months now. And now we're just going to kind of have to see how it all plays out because, you know, even just keep in mind, obviously we'll, you know, we'll get to some of the moves, including, Some of the you know another cut that they made, but even with their current situation right now, the Bears are still going to have to move money around. I mean, the 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 reality of it is, is they've got I think Pat O'Donnell, um, Patrick Scales, and then I want to say even with and obviously we're going to have to see with some of these other signings you know that happen or whatever. But even with the moves that they've made. I mean, they're hovering just right above that cap point right now, right? And that's not even counting Font, you know? So it's like they're, the Bears are in a situation right now where they're going to have to make at least one more move, uh, clearing, I would say, anywhere from like 10 to $15 million in cap space just to be able to sign the draft class because their draft class is probably going to count, you know, at least right now with their picks, is going to count for right around $3 million against the cap. It'll probably be about, you know, 5 or $6 million in actual, you know, cap money or money, however you want to call it. But in terms of actually counting against the cap, it's going to be more about 3 million, but then you've got in season stuff to worry about. You still got the, uh, you know, the other two players, you know, that's the it's rule of 51 right now, obviously once the season starts and it's, you know, counting all 53 guys plus the practice squad, which is going to be another $2 million. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, and just with all of that, you're talking at least seven or 8 million, and that's not even counting any minor moves that they want to make right now. So, Again, they're in a situation where I know a lot of people are like, well, they could still get Russell Wilson. If they get Russell Wilson, they're going to damage themselves even even more in terms of future cap space and and kicking the can down the road and digging into future years. I mean, they're already right now with the way everything is, even with Andy Dalton having a $5.5 million cap hit – and kind of kicking some of those, you know, into two void years, the Bears are still in a situation where they're going to have to clear some money just to survive for the rest of the off season. And that's not counting any, you know, crazy moves that they would make. I don't know if there's any crazy moves that would happen, but again, this is the reality of the situation for the Bears right now, where again, I mean, all these, all these signings that are happening, cool, whatever, they're all depth moves. Maybe they'll get, you know, a piece or two that can kind of help them a little bit more this year on offense, who knows, but the reality is, is you know, the, the big impact that they're going to have uh, this offseason is going to have to come towards a draft, and that's about five weeks away.
2: Yeah, and, you know, before we get to the move that the Bears made today, I mean, we should just kind of talk about last week um, the Kyle Fuller move. And that was very, you know, very um, interesting p- couple of days there because I want to say it was Thursday night news kind of broke the Bears – were set to release Kyle Fuller. They didn't officially release him until over the weekend. And, you know, they're trying to trade him. And by that point, Ryan Pace kind of played his hand and told everyone that he was going to, you know, release Kyle Fuller. Or the expectation was that they were going to release Kyle Fuller. So why would any team trade for him? And Fuller gets moved. um, You know, he's let go by the Bears. And within literally 20, 25 minutes, Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos pick him up. And... You know, it it hurts. It's a tough loss for this Bears defense because Kyle Fuller is a guy not only, you know, that's respected on the field. He's also a guy respected in the locker room as well. But let's be realistic here. The odds of the Bears going into this year and taking a $21 million cap hit um, in terms of Kyle Fuller's contract was not realistic. It it just wasn't going to happen. And so the Bears asked him to take a pay cut. He didn't want to take a pay cut. Rightfully so. I can't blame the guy. And now, you know, you're looking at a situation where you have to release some of your good players and make moves like this because of contracts that they have signed in the past. I mean, the, the cap is just not there. And like you said, Aaron, you know, they still have to find some more ways to create cap space here because they're not going to be able to, to to make a big signing, do anything else with the, with the practice squad, with the rookie class, all that because money still has to come off the book. So, I'm curious to see what they do. It looks like Akeem Hicks is going to stay on the roster for now. Um, You know, I don't know really what's going on with Jimmy Graham. They could have saved some money there. Uh, He's owed $10 million as a cap hit this year. So I don't know. But, you know, losing Kyle Fuller definitely hurts the secondary. And now you're looking and you have a need in the secondary. Now the Bears did sign Desmond Trufant, but that's not really a a full-time replacement for Kyle Fuller. That's kind of one of those deals where you, you know, take a chance on a one-year deal with a veteran and hope that you kind of strike gold and, and he plays well for the one season while you maybe draft a rookie. But, you know, the Bears have a need in the secondary now, and, and it goes back to signing players like Robert Quinn for those bit, that big deal, um, Jimmy Graham for that big deal, giving, you know, all this money out to, to players, whether they deserved it or not. But it's now it's coming back to bite the Bears. Well, and
3: I think one thing that's not really being talked about a lot right now or enough, at least in my opinion, and I've had a few people call me on this, and, it, 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 you know, it, here's the situation. Okay, Kyle Fuller had a $20 million cap hit. Okay, but that's that's not a debate. But it's also worth noting that the Bears chose to cut Kyle Fuller free, right? So keep in mind, he had a, 21, a $20 million cap hit. $9 million of that was dead money, so there was only really $11 million in real money that the Bears saved by doing this. There's only $11 million in real money that they would have paid him this year because of all the different restructuring and all the different things that they did. I think it was – I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before, whatever it was. They reworked his deal they kicked basically a bunch of uh, deferred bonuses or no, not deferred, uh, prorated bonuses and stuff. So it makes the cap hit look bigger than what he was actually getting paid. So, you know, but, but the thing about this is, is, you know, over the weekend, um, Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune, who has been killing the Bears offseason. I mean, there's just no other way around it. that said something on Twitter about it. I mean, the dude has been on top of literally everything. And he came out and basically said, the Bears were likely to cut Kyle Fuller and they were also allowing Akeem Hicks to shop for a trade. And really what the Bears did here is they chose Akeem Hicks over Kyle Fuller. And I don't agree with it. And, you know, obviously people are going to have their, you know, their opinions one way or another. But again, what's not being talked about here is the fact that Kyle Fuller only had $11 million in actual money that they could have saved and or kept. Obviously they saved it because they cut him. Akeem Hicks was due, you know, he had a twelve million dollar cap, and this is what a lot of people look at. They look at twenty million versus twelve million, but the reality of it is, is akeem Hicks, in terms of actual money, had ten and a half million dollars because he had, I think it was a million and a half that was basically deferred signing bonuses. Same exact thing, same concept as, you know, with Kyle Fuller, just at a at a lower rate. But here's the thing, you know, so basically there's a $500,000 difference between the two players. If they had to cut Akeem Hicks, they would have, you know, saved $500,000 less. I mean, really, that's not, that's not a big difference, and I know people are going to look at it and they're going to say, well, you know, the cap hits were still different. You still can't have a corner counting, you know, $20 million against the cap, and while I agree – Kyle Fuller has nine million dollars dead money on the table now that is counting against the Bears regardless. So again, really the difference was eleven million versus ten and a half million when you're talking about Hicks versus Fuller. And while you may not, you know, I know a lot of people have kind of made this argument. Kyle Fuller hasn't been the same player over the last two years since Vic Fangio left. And while I agree to a certain extent, I still do think that Kyle Fuller was a better player and more valuable at his position over the last two years. And, again, I mean, Akeem Hicks hasn't been healthy or hasn't been as healthy, especially in 2019. And last year after having, what was it, four sacks in three games or five sacks in four games, whatever it was, he didn't touch the quarterback for the rest of the year. Like, Akeem Hicks is still a good player, but – when you allow a player to go out and shop himself with trades to see, because he also wanted an extension, when when you allow a player to go out and do that, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, there's just kind of, you know, a bunch of silence, and you know he's on the roster. It's kind of one of those sobering moments where I think Akeem Hicks understands now that his market isn't what he thinks it is, and maybe he's still that level of player, but over the last two years, he hasn't been that level of player. So with all that being said, what I find very interesting about this is, and we can even kind of see it with some of the other moves that they've made, they're putting a lot of focus and a lot of faith into this front seven right now. They're basically saying, okay, you know, we got issues in the secondary. We got question marks in the secondary. I'm sure they're probably not thinking they have issues, but we got question question marks in the secondary. I mean, look at it. Kyle Fuller's gone. Uh, Buster Screen's gone, and right now they got a hole at uh, at, at Strong Safety because Sean Gibson is also hasn't been signed one way or another. I mean, at this point, the safety market's still pretty deep. I could see them making a move and bringing it back for a year depending on money. But point being is right now three of your five starters from last year are gone. So the Bears have plenty of questions in the second area. Even if you say Duke Shelley's going to be the starting nickel, uh, you know, Dion Bush is going to take over at Strong Safety – Uh, And Desmond Trufant is the, you know, the, you know, the front runner for, to replace Kyle Fuller, I mean, you're still asking Jalen Johnson to take a huge step up from his rookie year, which obviously, hopefully he does, and you're also asking Eddie Jackson to get back to form, but again, you're putting a lot of focus on the front seven, because again, you're basically saying for that $500,000 difference, Akeem Hicks was more valuable and worth more than Kyle Fuller. And keep in mind, both of these guys are going to be free agents next year. Um, so it, it was one of those situations where, again, it, it was simple as saying $500,000 difference, they'd rather have Akeem Hicks than Kyle Fuller. And, again, I don't know that I agree with that because, I mean, you look at today's NFL, man, and it, it's one of those things where, yes, the pass rush is important, but you also have a lot of money tied up. I mean, you pointed it out with, you know, Robert Robert Quinn. I mean, they, they made the move with Robert Quinn. They also have Akeem Hicks. They also have uh, Eddie Goldman, and, of course, they have Khalil Mack. I mean, you got a lot, and I mean a lot of money tied up on that front seven. I mean, there's a reason going into this offseason they had well over $100 million in cap space out of the basically the $190 million after the rollover uh, in terms of accounting. I mean, they had well over 50%, closer to 60% uh, of their cap space, Tied up into their defense, and a lot of that was tied up into you know w- within the front seven. So it's just a very interesting strategy because again, when you're looking at the Bears and you're looking at what they can do in free agency, yeah, could they go out and sign somebody and you know kind of help that out a little bit? Sure, they could. I don't think they're going to do that, but again, now you're adding more needs to the draft pile. When ultimately, again, we'll get to some of these signings. The Bears really haven't touched the offensive side of the ball outside of Andy Dalton. I mean, two of their the, well, let me think about this, because, yeah, I guess it would be, yeah, two of their, basically two of their six outside free agent signings have been on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, again, it's just kind of worth keeping in mind, and one of those was reserve depth offensive linemen, they haven't done anything to this point to improve the offense as a whole, so you would have to assume at this point, at least I would, that the the, the majority of the focus is going to be on the offensive side of the ball, moving into the draft, but then you open up a giant hole as your top corner and needing to replace that guy. It just, it's, it seems like a very bold move and something that personally I question. And again, I'm not trying to pile on the bears right now, but I just don't understand when you got $500,000 as a difference, why wouldn't you take the younger, more valuable corner, even if you're assuming both are going to hit the free agent market next year, why wouldn't you keep Kyle Fuller over Keem Hicks?
2: And you know, you kind of talked about there. They had some question marks in that secondary already. It wasn't like they had proven guys um, that are ready to step in and fill in for Kyle Fuller and Buster Street. I mean, yeah, Duke Shelley and Kendall Wilder got to play last season, but at one point during the season, did they make you feel comfortable enough where you know you know that they can come in and play well in replacement of those two guys? I For me, it just wasn't there. And now, you know, you have holes in your secondary. You don't have a lot of cap space to to fill some needs. And while you're right with the Bears, you know, investing all that money into the defense, the offense is sitting here, and and they've been kind of the focus here so far or, or, or part of free agency early on, but it's not like they're making any big splash moves because they can't. They don't have the cap space to do so. And, yeah, they went after Kenny Galladay, but, I mean, he took more money in in New York and whatever. Can't blame him for that. But it's like other than that, I mean, they really weren't involved or in with other, um, you know, top players, top offensive players. And there's a reason. They just don't have the money, and a lot of it's still tied up on the defensive side of the football. And for me, it goes back to if you would have hit on the quarterback in 2017, we wouldn't be in this situation. But, you know, here we are. Um, you know, some other kind of signings that have gone on, and the Bears have kind of made some low key, you know, tier two, um, signings, and then they haven't been, you know, big splashes. They re signed Deion Bush, um, in the secondary. They've kind of brought, they brought back their entire special teams unit outside of Cordero Patterson by, um, signing, uh, Cairo Santos, Pat O'Donnell, Patrick Scales. And then today, you know, they made a move, or two moves actually. And the most notable one for me, um, you know, is bringing back Christian Jones, a player who was here in Chicago for a few years. And it's key because looking at his defense and one of the big spots of depth needed is inside linebacker. And they haven't had that depth you know, over the past couple of years. And it's hurt them, especially last year when Manti Teo had to step in actually last year, I should say, not over the last couple of years, they had the depth in uh, 2019 with Kukowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. But, you know, it's it's not a sign that's gonna you know be sexy and and be you know really good and catch everyone's eyes, but it is a depth piece. And then on offense, they signed um, former Denver Broncos tackle Elijah Wilkinson to kind of come in and provide some depth on that offensive line. And uh, that came just a couple of days after signing uh, re-signing Jermaine Affetti. But again, small moves, moves that really aren't gonna break the bank for the Bears, and they're moves that are kind of forced because the Bears can't really spend a lot of money now, and they kind of have to find these guys. And Ryan Pace has been successful finding a couple of these guys to, you know, come in and play well on these deals. I mean, just look last year. He got uh, Barkevius Mingo to come in and, you know, I mean, agree or disagree, I, I thought he played a lot better than um, Robert Quinn, especially for the money the two that the, were making. So, you know, it's, they're going to have to hit on these small signings. And then, you know, uh, you bring in a guy, uh, Jeremiah Attitude. I probably uh, – Totally butchered that name um, on a two-year deal and in hopes that he you know, could pre- provide you the same depth that Barcavius Mingo did last season and then Angela Blackson, a defensive lineman. And we'll see. They lost Brent Urban. They brought back Mario Edwards. We'll see. These, these just signings are not, like I said, they're not very sexy on paper, but they're what the Bears have to do right now in order to survive through this offseason.
3: Well, and I think we're kind of sensing a trend here, and I guess it's also worth noting as we're recording this, Brad Biggs just put out something that the Bears are close to signing DeAndre Houston, or re-signing DeAndre Houston Carson as well. So, I mean, that's another depth of move at safety. But, again, I mean, and I, and I tweeted this out, and Deion Bush liked it probably as, you know, something he put on his <laughs> bulletin board. But, you know, it's it, this is going to be another, you know, few months of us pretending that Deion Bush is going to start at safety until they sign somebody else. I mean, it's just – This is that time of year. They've done the same thing the last few years, so whatever. But, yeah, you know, so the the trend that I have sensed so far from the Bears is, okay, cool, they don't have a lot of money to spend. I am honestly, to be completely fair to Ryan Pace, for the most part, I think he's done a pretty good job in terms of managing what they're trying to do this year without hurting themselves even more than they had to – In future years, because I mean, there's been multiple reports that have basically come out and said, you know, anybody hoping for a cap jump from you know 182 and a half to. $200 $200 million or more um, going into 2022 is not going to happen. These are going to be gradual jumps, even though they signed the TV deal. The TV deal was included within their negotiations for how they were going to, you know, how they were going to handle the cap. They basically had two situations, and this is coming from J.C. the the NFLPA's, you know, top rep or whatever, I, I don't know, president, I don't know how that works, but – uh, he basically said there was two options on the table. The owner's options was that the cap would stay the same theoretically, but every single player would take a 30% pay cut for this year. The the NFLPA, the player's side of things, said, okay, well, instead of doing that, how about we lower the cap and then gradually bump it up with this TV deal? If the TV deal wasn't there, the cap would be a lot lower. A lot of teams would be in a lot of trouble. But because of the TV deal and the timing of all this – They're actually going to stand to make a lot more money, but again, it's going to be a gradual rise. So with that in mind, I think what Ryan has done so far in terms of not forcing things and granted some of it's been taken out of his hands, you know, Trent Williams, Kenny Galladay, those are just two names that come to mind where, Ryan Pace was willing to really kind of cripple themselves in the future and have, you know, super low cap hits this year or whatever he was going to do, um, you know, just to put, him, put his team in a better position to win this year. But luckily, those really didn't pan out, and here we are. But, again, I, th- I think the trend that we're seeing right now with the Bears, which isn't, which isn't a bad trend at all because this is something the Bears really struggled with last year, is they're, they're reinforcing depth at positions they had issues with last year. You pointed out Christian Jones. The Bears inside linebacking depth, in 2020 was terrible. The fact that Manti Teo didn't play a regular season game for the Bears, it wasn't even on their roster, even on their practice squad for the majority of the year, and he got the start in their playoff game, says a lot. Then you look at the offensive line, like you pointed out, Jermaine Effetti came back on a $4.25 million deal, one-year deal. I don't understand why they paid him that, whatever. Good depth, maybe you know, maybe he's a starter at right tackle, depending on how things fall in the draft for him. Then they bring in Wilkinson, again, another like swing tackle uh, he can also play death, play death. He can also play guards. So some pretty solid depth there, but you start looking around and even some of these other moves that they made. I mean, they re-sign, you know, they're, they're keeping the supposedly They're going to keep Akeem Hicks. But then they re-signed Mario Edwards, and then all of a sudden, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, they go out and they get, you know, Angelo Blackson as well. So there's solid depth there, you know, with the DeAndre Houston Carson and Dion Bush, they're keeping solid depth at safety. So what we're seeing right now is we're seeing depth moves. And, then, you know, the same thing with the Tauchu. I mean, you look at it last year, and I agree with you. I, I do think that Barkevius Mingo played well. I was actually surprised that the Bears didn't re-sign him, but I think what we saw – Is we saw somebody where I think Mingo obviously had better special teams value. I also think, as far as an an all around, uh, you know, off the outside linebacker, I wouldn't even call him a pass, or as an outside linebacker, I think all around, I think he brought a little bit more. Um, to the table than what Itouchu is going to bring. But Itouchu is also a hell of a lot better of a pass rusher. I mean, he had five sacks and kind of a reserve role last year. He's not going to be somebody that's going to go out there and, you know, just, you know, know, pop the eyeballs out of your head and he's going to be this great signing. But I do think he brings you more pass rushing upside. And, again, that's kind of where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, they're putting a lot of value into the front seven. So, again, you know, I have no issues with – you know, I have no issues – with them going out and making depth moves. Because, again, when you're looking at this roster right now, you know, there's a pretty good chance it's going to be a 17-game season for one. I think that's also something to kind of keep in mind. You need better depth. I'm kind of curious if they're going to expand rosters at all with that extra game or not. I guess we'll have to see. I haven't really seen anything about that. But point being here is the Bears had – Really questionable depth in a lot of areas last year. And I mean, as we saw, I mean, you look at the offensive line. I mean, that's a prime example. The fact that Rashad Coward was one even on the roster, but the fact that he was starting at all at guard was very troublesome. So you know how they go out and fix that. They say, okay, we have Alex Bars, you know, Sam Musterford probably slotted in to start at center. We'll see what happens there but you've got a little bit of depth on the interior. So they say, okay, we're going to bring back Jermaine Fetti because worst case scenario, he can start at right tackle for us or he and Alex Bars can have a competition. We feel okay about that. We saved enough money with Bobby Massey where it's worth it. But then they don't stop there. They go out and they sign a guy like Elijah Wilkinson, who, again, not a great player, probably not somebody that you want starting 16 games for you, but he also has experience Starting at both tackle and guard, so you're you're looking at some of these areas where they they had issues with depth, and now all of a sudden you're bringing in reinforcements, and I think that's smart because again let let's just be honest here, the Bears roster is not going to be as good as it was last year, which is kind of unfortunate because they were eight and eight last year, they squeaked into the playoffs. But again, I mean, this is just a situation that we're in right now where, you know, and I I made this comparison last week with Minnesota, where Minnesota saw the writing on the walls last year. They saw that they had an older defense. They saw that they were in cap issues. They saw that realistically the best option for them at that time was to sell off some of what they had with with Stefan Diggs cut bait with some of their veterans and basically retool. They still, you know, had a, a somewhat decent year. I mean, they're still in the playoff mix until the very end of the season. But now if you look at their roster and you look at what they have to work with and some of the moves that they've made, granted, they're still not great with the cap, but they're in a better position to where if, you know, if if the season started today, again, off still young, but if the season started today, I think Minnesota is a better team than the Bears. And that's kind of the thing. Like sometimes you have to, a direction in which you're going in and the bears are up against cap Minnesota's up against the cap last year. And you're kind of in that middling point and the bears are clearly saying we're still trying to go for it. We're trying to save jobs. I don't think Minnesota is in that same position, but this is where the bears are at. They're not going to be able to go out and sign these crazy, you know, th- these crazy names and, you know, have this huge offseason like a team like the, you know, like the Patriots or the giants or whatever, what- whatever the team is that spent a ton of money this year, they're not going to be that team. But I also understand with better depth, with you know one game longer of a season, I mean, we've seen how that can happen. If you have good depth, you can outlast some of these other teams because every team's going to have injuries. So, again, we're going to have to see what happens with the rest of free agency. We're going to have to see what they do in the draft. I mean, it's kind of unrealistic to say, but, I mean, right now I think they need three impact players within the draft that can come out and really have – A big impact on you know on this on the roster, and I mean that's really going to either be hitting on their first, second, and third round picks because they don't have a fourth round pick this year. They're going to have to hit on one of the fifth or one of their multitude of six round picks that they have. But again. They're going to need multiple guys to step up, and I think really what they're shaping towards right now is adding depth, which is fine, keeping the front seven the same, and then looking at the offensive side of the ball, I think the majority of their, quote-unquote, big ads are going to come in the way of the draft because realistically they're running out of options almost anywhere you look in terms of uh, free agency right now.
2: Well, yeah, and especially when we're hitting these these back tiers of free agency, and you have to hit on your first-round pick. I mean, it's just – Bottom line, whether you trade up or whether you stay put at 20, you're going to have to hit on your first-round pick, and it's been something that Ryan Pace has struggled with um, in the first-round picks that he's had. But, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't expect them to go out and sign anyone big. There's really not no one big left on the market. It wasn't realistic for them to do anyway. Um, <clears throat> signing Galladay would have been a nice surprise, but with the cap space and what was going on with the NFL in terms of money – Um, it just wasn't feasible for them, and it it just wasn't there for them. Um, Let's get into our interview here, Aaron. We uh, brought on RJ Okoa of Blogging the Boys. He is a Dallas Cowboys blogger for SB Nation, um, covers the Cowboys and covers the NFL, and he's going to give us some insight here on Andy Dalton, who played one season in Dallas um, right after Dak Prescott got hurt. He came in for a few games. And he's going to kind of give us some insight on you know why Dallas's rookie receivers, you know, CD lamb played better and why Dalton kind of struggled, even though he had a lot of um, weapons on that offense. I'll we'll also talk to him a little bit about Brent Urban. We'll be right back to wrap up our show after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
2: And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is the manager and editor in chief of Blogging the Boys. He also does a podcast called the Ocho and the SB Nation NFL Show. It's R.J. Okoa, and he does a great job covering the Dallas Cowboys. He's here to give us some insights on Andy Dalton. R.J., how you doing, man?
4: I'm doing well, Zach. Appreciate you having me. Uh, excited to talk um, about Andy Dalton. Uh, I was telling you right before we started recording about my dog. Um, his name is Bear, so I've always just kind of had a soft spot for the Bears. So this is a, a nice blending of my worlds in that sense.
2: Oh, that's awesome! That is cool. What kind of dog is it?
4: He's a, he's a tiny little dog. He's a Cavachon, but um, it's that's just you know that's the name that kind of fit. He kind of looks like a little like a little teddy bear almost. <laughs> um, so um, that's that's kind of his two team, so to speak. And so um, I'm hopeful that Andy gives him a little bit more pride.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's just kind of get right into it with Andy. I know he was only in Dallas for one year after being in Cincinnati for what feels like forever. Um, He played at TCU. What kind of was, you know, the big thing for Dalton last year? I mean, what did you see in your eyes? Any big takeaways right away?
4: You know, um, the the Cowboys had really not paid a lot of attention to the backup quarterback position, uh, specifically under Jason Garrett. Um, You know, prior to Andy, uh, their backup to Dak, at least, had been Cooper Rush for most of of Dak's career to that point. Uh, An undrafted free agent to to kind of tell you how, you know, how seriously they took the position. Before that, it was Kellen Moore, uh, who's now the Cowboys offensive coordinator. Obviously, Dak and Kellen backed up Tony Romo. And and I don't know how well every, you know, Bears fan remembers the the 2015 Cowboys season when Romo got hurt. Um, They had Brandon Whedon. Um, they had traded for Matt Castle. And so they, they really, you know, Andy kind of, you know, really, I think, showed the the interest that Mike McCarthy placed in the position. Obviously, somebody who's uh, more accustomed to having a, a stable of quarterbacks to work with. And so um, I'd say that, you know, in the nine games he started, um, he was impressive in that he, he was better than most backup quarterbacks that Cowboys fans had seen. I, I certainly think that there's, um, there's meat to that bone. I think it's, it's possible that he could be a, a viable starter. But, um, you know, I don't know how, how easy that is to replicate. I, th- I think a lot of people believe that the Cowboys have a lot of great offensive weapons, and I think Andy certainly benefited from that. Um, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the, the point of contention that people had, you know, most with Andy Dalton, and I don't know how big of a story this was nationally. Um, the, the first game that Andy started was a Monday night football game against the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cowboys got destroyed. Uh, But six days later, they went to Washington and just got beat up by that defensive front. And Andy tried to run for a first down. And John Bostick, the Washington linebacker, laid him out. And it was a really awful cheap shot that gave Andy a concussion that he would actually miss time with. And at the time, not a single Cowboys offensive lineman went to, you know, kind of confront John Bostick the way you would imagine that would happen, you know, in the game of football, protecting your teammates and stuff. And so a lot of Cowboys players, not Andy Dalton, took criticism for that, but um, they did kind of rally around him, and, and I, you know, he kept them competitive. And so um, I, I think he did everything that you could kind of expect out of a backup quarterback last season.
2: Yeah, and you know, obviously going into last year, the Cowboys, you know, you really didn't want Andy Dalton to play because you wanted Dak Prescott to to stay healthy and be your guy. And when Prescott was in, I mean, he was lighting up up, um, MVP candidate early on. So when you look at Dalton. Then you look; he was four and five um, last season. Threw for two, uh, two thousand one hundred seventy yards, fourteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. And you mentioned all the talent that Dallas has on that roster. Some will say, you know, maybe the number should have been higher for him or the production should have been there. 14 and eight's not terrible at all, uh, 64.9% completion percentage. That's not, you know, I've seen a lot worse in the NFL. What kind of was it with Dalton? Did he, was it he just never could get in that rhythm? Did um, anything with, like, maybe teammates, like you said, that story with John Bostic? Or was it just, I mean, the struggles of the Cowboys in general?
4: Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, not to cop out, I think it was a combination of everything. Um, you know, the Cowboys are, are never short for the dramatics. And so, you know, as an example, one week after Dak Prescott got hurt, um, there was a, an internal report of discourse between defensive players and the defensive coaching staff. And um, obviously, you know, in the first year under Mike McCarthy, that was a, a big old thing. And and I think, you know, n- not, not to make everything about Dak Prescott, but I think that it was – at least in my mind, a bit different than when you're – it it, it was different than, like, when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt for the season. I think it was when he tore his ACL in 2018. Um, It's just different, right? Like, it's a different thing in that he was in his contract year, right? And, and like, from the moment the Cowboys even signed Andy, um, there was all this, you know, Twitter debate of, well, you know, I'd rather let Dak walk and, you know, this offense is so great. You know, Andy can play with it, whatever. Um, and so it just really kind of divided a lot of opinions in that sense and so I don't want to say that Andy went into a situation where it was impossible to succeed um, but but that defense is really bad and or it certainly was really bad this past season the running game was not there the way it has been and some of that is is just that you know Dak Prescott opens the Cowboys offense up so much um, but but overall I think you know I, and I, we made this point a lot um, as the season kind of went on. That that first game, again, that Andy started was a Monday night football game against an Arizona Cardinals team that wound up. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but was was legitimate, right? And, and certainly had some potential throughout the year. And they they got blasted. I think they got blasted because you know they were they were really, really, really still kind of stunned uh, by the Dak Prescott situation that had happened a week before. And then they went to Washington, and that Washington game is important because, you know, Zach Martin, who is obviously one of the best guards in the NFL, missed that game. And the Cowboys at that point were already down Tyron Smith and Milo Collins. So they were down 60% of their offensive line against one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. So at some point or another, you know, it, it was going to break for Andy Dalton. So he missed the following week against the Philadelphia Eagles. That was the Sunday night football game that Ben DiNucci started. And then he missed the next game against the Pittsburgh Steelers that Garrett Gilbert started. Uh, The Cowboys then had their bye. Andy, I should mention, also was placed on the COVID list besides having a concussion. He returned for their next game on the road against Minnesota, um, which was the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and played really well. And at the time, you know, we said this was really kind of his first opportunity you know where where everything wasn't in, in in pandemonium, and I thought that when he had those opportunities, he really settled in. Um, and and the Cowboys would go on to lose on Thanksgiving a few days later. Um, and I, I've you know it's so difficult to make this related to football, but you'll recall I know it was a big story. Marcus Paul, the Cowboys' strength and conditioning coordinator, passed away that week right after they built up some momentum, and that just kind of ripped the rug out from under them. And their next game was against the Baltimore Ravens, which was supposed to take place seven days after the Thanksgiving day game against Washington, but it kept getting delayed and rescheduled because of the COVID protocols. It actually got played the following Wednesday, six days after it was originally scheduled to be played. And so, I mean, I know that's a lot of information, but to me, it just kind of, it it was never normal for Andy Dalton. And and I think that the, the success he had was impressive in spite of all that, but, you know he just he never got to have um, a normal run at it and and I felt badly for him in that sense when he did I thought he played really well some of it was that he played low quality teams like his old one in the Bengals but um ultimately I think when when the waters kind of calmed he was a stable quarterback and that's important to say
2: And, you know, I've watched some of the tape on Andy Dalton in Dallas, Um, you know, not a lot of it, but I went back and watched a little bit of it. And one thing I kind of noticed, and I think this will really benefit, um, you know, Bears wide receiver Darnell Mooney, a young rookie last season, is when Andy Dalton was in the game. And he seemed to make, I mean, C.D. Lamb is an incredible talent. He's really damn good. But it almost felt like he kind of made Lamb a little better when he was in the game as well, kind of with that veteran leadership, uh, putting the ball, you know, in spots where Lamb could get to. Not say that Dak Prescott did it, but I think kind of Lamb maybe, you know, gravitated a little more to the veteran leadership there from Dalton. Uh Did you see anything with him, you know, in that leadership and maybe working with C.D. Lamb that stuck out with, stuck out to you?
4: You know, I'll say that I think, um, I think that Andy uh, let CD's greatness, you know, kind of run its course. I think that sometimes you see quarterbacks um, who, who are n- maybe not afraid or hesitant, but just less likely to to trust rookie wide receivers in this case with the big time moments. And that was never the case with Andy. And so I think he really allowed CD some moments to shine. Um, I mentioned that Minnesota game, um, that, that first game that Andy came back. And I mean, he really trusted CD. I mean, I don't want to say through these, you know, those classic kind of 50, 50 balls, but, but I mean, he treated CD lamb like a veteran wide receiver. And I think that that, that really enabled him to have more success than, than the way somebody else might've treated him, you know, not necessarily having kid gloves or anything. Um, and, and overall um, I know that this, this point kind of gets boring or whatever, but I mean, Andy really was a, a stable member of the community and a really you know influential figure in that sense. And um, you know, we talked to a lot of people at, at, when the Cowboys signed him and then, you know, when he was obviously going to be starting for them, that, that cover the Cincinnati Bengals, our friends at Cincy Jungle that cover that Fresby Nation. And, and he really is this exemplary person who, who really does just want to, to do good for people, um, who stands on his, on his own, you know, pillars of faith and, and things that he's built for himself and, and lives his life by with his wife and his children. And so, I mean, in in terms of who he is as a person, I, I, it's a hard. It'd be very difficult to find somebody who's higher quality than Andy Dalton. What did you know? What are the Bears going to get in
2: Andy Dalton in your eyes? I mean, what what is it a good fit from your kind of perspective, or what do you, what do you expect him to um, kind of give the Bears in terms of coming in as as a quarterback? Where it almost kind of felt like he was. Their backup plan when they're going after Russell Wilson. Um, I still think they're going to draft a rookie quarterback at some point. But what what do you think Andy Dalton's going to bring to this Bears team?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, I I do find the move curious. It does feel um, like like the, in my own estimation is that the Bears were were kind of left, you know, trying to find some some sort of way to figure this out. Um, it does feel Mike Glennon-ish also in that, you know, I, I know I'm sure that the line about the you NDB know, saying he was told he was a starter caused a lot of panic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, but it does feel like that, like the, the Mitchell Trubisky could arrive and, and kind of shock him the way it did Mike Glennon uh, four years ago. And so, I, I mean, I, I think he's maybe the 30 to 32nd best quarterback on earth, right? Like I, I think he's capable of being a starting quarterback um, I, I do find that I, – I find it interesting that anybody would, would kind of put all their eggs in the Andy Dalton basket at this point. Um, but, I mean, I guess my, my kind of, you know, calm down, you know, sense of that would be I don't know what the Bears were supposed to do. Um, and I, I realize that the mistake, you know, on their behalf was made in not pursuing Andy Dalton last year and, and trading for Nick Foles. And I know that that adds to the frustration of it all. But, I mean – um it 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 did feel like you know there weren't a lot of options I feel like you know we've been hearing so much about like this offseason is going to feature quarterback movement like never before and that really didn't happen like I know that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz got traded and everything but like those were kind of predictable and you know like Jimmy Garoppolo even not that like you know I'm sure you don't want him to be the best starting quarterback but like he didn't even move you know like none of these things really happened and so um, I, I don't want to say I think the Bears are the ultimate bridesmaid, but I think that Andy, Andy raises their floor just in, I mean, I know this is probably a sensitive subject, that, that quarterback situation has been so bad for a long time. Um, so I do think that they're improved, like in a literal sense, um, but, but I certainly think that they need, they need help. And I, I don't know that Andy Dalton can be a reliable option for the long term, which I think is evidenced by his one-year deal. I I, I can tell you, I guess maybe that's the best way to to kind of tie a bow on this. A lot of Cowboys fans are very excited that he could yield them a compensatory pick, uh, which I'm sure doesn't make you feel any better.
2: Yeah, no, uh, Bears fans are are not used to uh, getting those comp picks at all. I think last season was the first (laughs) one they got in like seven or eight years. And uh, they got one for Roy Robertson-Harris, and then they gave it away pretty much for Andy Dalton. But, I mean, we're also used to, when you said 30th and 32nd best quarterback, that's just been pretty much the story of uh, Bears quarterbacks in history. Uh, a couple of quick ones before um, I let you go. I, a little bit on the draft here. And I, I think the Bears are an interesting team that, that could move up. And I look inside that top 10, and there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. I think four are going to go within that top six, probably top five. And then you got Mac Jones kind of sitting there um, as well. When I look, and there's a couple teams that I think might trade out. Would Dallas trade out? Uh, of the top ten, right there. Uh, I, I know they've been linked to Patrick Chatan out of um, Alabama. Or do you think they're going to stay put because they need that much help on defense?
4: Man, I tell you, every Cowboys fan would love it if they traded back. And I, I think I'm I'm with you. I think there's I would love to see four or five quarterbacks go. Obviously, picks one through nine. Um, and I think the Bears are an ideal team, obviously, to trade up. And so, you know, especially you know, given the fact that. Um, you know if they're in the situation they're in. It would be ironic if if the Bears, obviously having Andy Dalton now, would continue to trade up with the Cowboys. But I think some of that does depend on on who's available. Um, you know whether Rashawn Slater and Penates will fall. I think the the news about Caleb Father this week needing the surgery that he that he had on Tuesday is certainly interesting. And that if, if if the Cowboys in this instance feel that you know he's still a fine player to have, you know moving back and, and they can still land him and pick up extra capital. I mean, the Cowboys are now in this situation where they have Dak Prescott's contract, so they they have to really find as much cheap labor as they can by way of the NFL draft. And so, I mean, I do think it would be difficult of them to pass on Patrick Sertain just because their secondary has been so bad, and and that's a point that a lot of people want to see them fix. Also, I mean, I think everybody feels this way to some degree, but if Kyle Pitts managed to fall, I know that some people think that that would be crazy of the Cowboys to take him and, and add to their offense, but... I think that that would be a very difficult thing to say no to. Um, but ultimately, it does seem like, I think it's very logical that that nine offensive players could go before the Cowboys pick a 10 overall, which would give them a lot of room to stand if they do want to trade back. I mean, you know, whether they don't walk away with a cornerback, maybe it's J.C. Horn, you know, to that point, maybe, maybe Micah Parsons still falls, it's hard to envision that, but um, but I certainly think the Cowboys would trade back. And I, I would love to see that just because they, they have 10 picks. They, you know, you mentioned the Bears don't like compensatory picks. The Cowboys love them. They got four of them. In fact, they got one for Robert Quinn, uh, who joined the Chicago Bears last year, as you know. So if the Cowboys could get even more draft capital to move up in later rounds or future drafts or whatever the case may be, that would be awesome.
2: That's interesting because I do think the Bears are going to trade up. I I just have a feeling they're going to go get a quarterback um, because they still need one for the future. But uh, before I let you go, you guys, I don't know if you guys have found out yet, but um, Brent Urban's wife is one of the best Twitter followers or follows out there, especially during game day. Um, She just does like crazy, like she'll like smash beers over her head and like cheer on her husband. So you guys get to enjoy that now in Dallas
4: yeah um we've seen so far she um uh, she's active and uh we had a we had a great time I'm just getting to kick out of that she was the one who broke the news yep. uh, about his signing and so um we're he's probably i think if you asked um every you know if you asked every Cowboys fan i think a lot of them would say that he's their favorite free agent signing just because Um their run defense has been so bad and and that seems to be his strength. That the Cowboys did sign Keanu Neal, who's who's kind of a sexier name and so some people, you know, gravitate to that. But uh but she does seem really special. We're excited. It's really helpful that um he can work out a lot better than the last uh Bears defensive tackle the Cowboys signed, which I think was Henry Melton. Uh that didn't work out all too well. Yeah, that was uh that was a lost cause, needless to say.
2: Yeah, I mean Urban got to learn from Akeem Hicks for a couple years, so that that always helps. Um RJ, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and uh, read your work?
4: Uh, Blogintheboys.com. We, uh, we try to get a, a bunch of stuff out every day. We've got a podcast and a YouTube channel. You can search for Blogging the Boys, and we appreciate uh, subscriptions and followings over there as well. Obviously, uh, with free agency settling down, we're looking forward to the draft. Very excited to see what the Cowboys are going to do. This is the highest they've been picking since they took Ezekiel Elliott with the fourth overall pick five years ago. So, Uh, It feels like they, you know, can't mess this one up that badly. Um, If if they took a running back at 10, I think, you know, there would be a a huge, uh, huge, huge firestorm. But uh, we're excited to see what happens, and uh, we're interested to see how this season kind of unfolds. Last year, you know, as we kind of mentioned, was was really wonky for the Cowboys in a lot of ways. But I can tell you that every Cowboys fan is rooting for Andy Dalton, if anything, for the comp pick. But but also because he really did – it, it didn't work out, but he really did show up and work hard and, and, and gave it his all. And, and for all that's worth, I mean, I, I think that that's the mark of a great quarterback and a great person. And so I'm excited. And, and like I said, I, I know that my dog has a <laughs> vested interest. And I would love to see we, – we hate the Green Bay Packers as much as you do. Oh, so yeah. We'd love to see. we'd love to see Andy Dalton put an end to that.
2: So, so we have something in common here between the two right. franchises. Thanks again for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. And welcome back in here to the Bear Report podcast. That was our interview with RJ Akoa of Blogging with the Boys – or Blogging the Boys, I'm sorry, on SB Nation. And Aaron, you know, while the Bears have signed a quarterback, Andy Dalton, we've already given, you know, our quick reaction on that last week. Since the last time we've been on, Mitch Trubisky has a new home, and it felt like the market just was not there for the former number two overall pick, and he kind of settled to sign with the Buffalo Bills. It's a one-year deal to come in and back up Josh Allen. And, you know, it's it's nice to see that Mitch got a, a job. It's not where I thought he would end up. Um, it was a very surprising place because Josh Allen is a, you know, NFL MVP candidate and is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But, you know, reading into stuff, it, it kind of might be a, a reset type of move for Mitch Trubisky, kind of get his mind right and, you know, kind of um, get back on track and then, Find a new job uh, somewhere next season. What are kind of your thoughts on Trubisky signing in Buffalo?
3: Well, I mean, I, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's one of those situations where his market just wasn't what some people thought it would be. And maybe he overplayed it. I don't know. I, maybe he was asking for too much because, I mean, there were rumors that Washington was interested. And obviously, they went Ryan Fitzpatrick. There was talks that maybe San Francisco was interested, and they just signed uh, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco got more money than Trubisky; got three and a half million guaranteed. So that's kind of interesting. But I mean, ultimately, what it comes down to is is this is just such an interesting offseason because there wasn't nearly as much quarterback movement within the free agent market and within the start of free agency that a lot of people expected. Obviously, Russell Wilson was you know tr- you know in trade talks. Uh, the same thing with Deshaun Watson, although he's facing what could be potentially a lot of legal recourse over the next few months, depending on how things shake out with him. Um, so, I mean, really, there was all this rumored movement. Even a guy like Marcus Mariota, who was expecting to get cut, just reworked his deal today. He's staying in, he's staying in uh, Las Vegas, you know, and it's the same thing Jimmy G was supposedly going to be out on the market. Doesn't look like, at least for the time being, he is. Matt Ryan, you know, they had to rework his deal and, you know, it basically with what they had to do with him, uh, you know, they've kicked the can down the road again with him, but he's guaranteed to be on the roster as well. So really what happened is there just wasn't a ton of movement. And on top of that, You've got five guys, five guys in this draft that are going to go in the first round. There's guaranteed at least five guys that are going to go in the first round of this draft, and there's a pretty good chance that five of these, you know, those five guys are going to end up going probably within the top 15 picks. I mean, we could see, we could realistically see, at least in my opinion, we could see the top four quarterbacks go within the first four or five picks of the draft. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting scenario. And there Mel Kuyper had that
2: in his latest exactly. mind, yep.
3: you know. So there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways that the quarterback position could go. But I think a lot of these teams. I mean, Miami's one of them. They wanted a surefire upgrade, right? If they're going to upgrade over Tua, they wanted a surefire upgrade in the way of Deshaun Watson, maybe Russell Wilson, whatever it may be. The Jets are kind of hanging out. Sam Darnold's another one who could be traded. Although there's a lot of talk right now that they could say, you know what, we're going to trade back. We're going to get more picks. I mean, they're still pretty new within their regime. They can hold on to Sam Darnold one more year. They put more talent around him. Maybe, maybe that works out. So again, all of these, these you know projected guys that were supposed to, you know, become available for the most part outside of Carson Wentz and Matt Stafford in terms of the trading market really didn't materialize, which left Trubisky and some of these other guys in situations where there's just not a lot out there. And, again, maybe he overplayed his market. Obviously, he was never coming back to the Bears. I know people kept talking like that was some random possibility. That was never a possibility. Trubisky was done with the Bears. He was done with the Bears the minute that he got benched in week three of that Atlanta game. That was it. That was, that was the end of the road for him. Was that week three? I think that was week three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So man, it's it's that, that season's <laughs> already been a blur. But right, either way, point being is he didn't have a lot of options, and you know, okay, he's going to hit the reset button. That's fine. And as we've seen, I mean, and and to be completely fair to Trubisky, as we've seen, one year kind of out of the mix and out of the public eye can do a lot. And the fact is, I mean, he's still a number two overall draft pick, regardless of how people felt about him, how they felt about the draft class, how they felt about where he went. Uh, you know, way too high, whatever it may be. The fact is he's still a number two overall pick and those guys usually get multiple opportunities. I mean, even look at a guy like Kevin White who had literally no production with the bears whatsoever and continually finds himself on NFL rosters. I mean, he wasn't on one la- the the previous year, but somehow he got, you know, another shot and he hung around with San Francisco for a little bit. So, you know, it, it could be a situation where Trubisky sits behind Allen. I mean, the the reality of it is, unless Allen gets hurt, he's probably not going to play until, I'd say, week 17 or week 18, whatever the week may be, Um, you know, when they when they wrap something up and when they have nothing to play for, maybe he gets to start there. Um, And then, you know, a team's going to sign him as that low-risk, high-reward kind of, you know, kind of player and hope that they can get something out of him and, you know, but – I mean either way it's 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 definitely sobering or should be sobering, I think, for a lot of Bears fans, and again, not to say Andy Dalton's a great situation, but I think it should be kind of a sobering situation for the Bears and Bears fans to say, okay, you know, this is somebody that they started for the better part of four years and he got two and a half million dollars assigned as a backup somewhere and had virtually no interest. And again, this isn't anything against Trubisky. This is just the reality of how the market played out. Um and it kind of just goes to show you you know, how how poor uh the league really viewed the Bears quarterback situation. Not saying it's much better now, but man, it's just kinda it's it's kinda interesting to see again, I mean, even with a guy like Marcus Mariota, where things fizzled out for him, he lost his job to, you know, Ryan Tannehill, but he even got I mean, he got what was it, like a two year, sixteen million dollar deal with Vegas last year in free agency and he signed relatively quick out of the gate. So you know, it, it just is what it is. You kind of have to read the tea leaves with these kind of things. And hopefully he gets another shot and hopefully he prospers. But I mean, I, I'm sure that he was expecting more than what he got. And I think he was expecting a better opportunity than what he ended up with.
2: Yeah. And um, just a minor question. I think did Joe Flacco went to Philadelphia, didn't he?
3: Oh, it's Philadelphia. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Philadelphia, because that was, you know, I was thinking about, yeah, you're right, because it was, yeah, Philadelphia, because that was one of the two teams that were supposed supposedly interested in Nick Foles. And obviously, we that's why I brought it off. up. Yeah,
2: that's exactly why I brought it up, because I still think a move's coming for Nick Foles. I, I don't think the Bears are going to go into next season with Foles, Dalton, um, and a rookie if they draft one. I, I just, I can't see that happening. Um, you know, speaking of rookies, though, to kind of wrap up our quarterback talk, you know, the Bears have been at, at Pro Days, and the last one they were at that we talked about was Davis Mills out of uh, Stanford. They sent John D. Filippo out there. Today, they had three people. They had Bill Lazor, John D. Filippo, and Sam Somerville, the area scout, in Alabama to check on Mac Jones, which is kind of interesting because, you know, the more I think we'll get closer to this draft here, the more and more I think the Bears are making Mac Jones their top quarterback target. Just because it's not, I don't think you'll have to get into the top 10 to get Jones. I think there's a small shot at that, but I think he's more than likely to fall out of that top 10. And if you want to trade up and don't want to mortgage the entire future, you could sit and say, okay, we'll go, you know, maybe number 12, maybe number 13, um, just outside of that top 10 to get to number, or to get to Mac Jones. Personally, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Mac Jones. I don't see it. In his game, Um, I I would not trade up and use a first-round pick on him. If that is the guy, I hope I am totally wrong, and I hope we can replay this back as a funny clip years from now. I just, I don't know, I'm not, I'm just not very intrigued by by Mac Jones, and I think I'd rather have a couple other quarterbacks if they are going to move up for him, but... You know, we'll see what happens, but it's something to keep an eye on. The Bears have been doing their homework on a lot of prospects. Rondale Moore was one that, that the Bears met with already at his pro day, um, and they'll continue. They're at UCLA as well today, and these pro days will continue on. Um, do you want to give your final thoughts here on anything on Mac Jones or anything well, like that? I was
3: going to say, I mean, yeah, they they have been doing some some work on you know quarterbacks, and another one that's you know kind of again so on pace on par for Ryan Pace at this point is. Davis Mills out of Stanford, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's probably going to go in the second or third round. And the point I was going to make, and, you know, granted I haven't dove super deep into this quarterback class yet, but my my uh, on the surface, off the top of my head thoughts on those two guys is why spend a top 15 pick on somebody like Matt Jones when you can get a very similar quarterback in the second or third round and a guy like Davis Mills. I mean, it's just – I don't know, man. Like, and I, I, but I felt this way for a while. Where, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna trade up and you're gonna, you're gonna make a move in the first round, just in general, if you're gonna make a make a move in the first round for a quarterback, I think it's got to be one of the top four guys. And that's obviously, you know, Lawrence is probably not well, not even probably. It's not an option. But you know, you got Zach, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. You know, Trey Lance, I think is more raw than all those guys, but also think that arguably he has the highest ceiling out of all four of those guys as well. So that would be managing expectations, not putting too much pressure early on with starting in. But again, man, I just don't see a lot of upside with a guy like Mac Jones and I can't help but feel like if somebody like, again, let's just use David, David, uh, Davis Mills is an example here. If Davis Mills was a quarterback for Alabama are we, talk, are, we, are we talking about similar things here with him? You know, are we talking about him going to the top 15? Because personally, I think so. I, I think Mills is probably slightly – I would say probably slightly more athletic. He's a little bit more stiff. He's a little bit more of an upper body thrower. Uh, but I also think that he's got a better arm. I, I don't know, man. I just – you know, maybe I'm a little scarred from, you know, Ryan Pace's overall quarterback evaluations and the moves that he's made just outside of Trubisky just in general. But – Ah, man, I'm, I'm quickly moving into the boat of unless you can get one of those top four guys, don't even bother. Don't even waste your picks because you have, and this is kind of my mindset on it, is you have so many other needs right now. Why not build around the quarterback situation? Because there's a lot of talk, too, speaking of Russell Wilson, where even if he's not dealt this year, he could get traded next year. And obviously, that's not as attractive to a lot of Bears fans right now because they want to see Russell Wilson on the team now. But let's just say you go out and you, you draft a tackle early, you draft another receiver, you can get something done with Al Robinson, now all of a sudden your offense is looking better, Tariq Cohen is more involved and, and everything's looking better offensively, then you add a guy like that with Russell Wilson uh next year and all of a sudden you've got you're cooking with gas versus if you go and you spend a pick on, let's just say Mac Jones, and it's not a massive trade up or whatever, or you spend a guy or pick on a guy like Davis Mills or Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman or Kyle Trask, somebody you know in the second or third round, you're using again, you're using one of those picks on you know a very very high bust rate or a very high rate that it's not going to work versus getting somebody that you can actually use on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball that has more positional value. So that's my biggest concern moving into the draft. I do think they're going to make another move at the quarterback position. I do think one way or another, they're not going to move into this season with uh, Andy Dalton as a starter and Nick Foles as their, as their backup because there's no upside in that if people are trying to save jobs, that just doesn't make any sense. But again, I think they have to, they, yeah, they just have to be smart with how they do this. And I don't know, man, I, Again, I don't hate Mac Jones and I don't think he's terrible by any means, but I also have a lot more questions than I do answers when I when I watch him and again, man, it's it's one of those things if you throw a lot of these quarterbacks in, you know, the, the, the second or third round talk, you throw a lot of these quarterbacks outside of Kyle Trask because he had a pretty good offensive Florida. You throw a lot of these quarterbacks in um to the, the situation that Alabama had And I think you're talking very similarly about a lot of these guys going in the first round that you would Mac Jones. I just don't think there's a lot special about him. And I I don't think in any other draft class or any, you know, any other situation, uh, I don't, I don't think he's a first round pick.
2: I'm with you, man. I'm almost, you know, I know it's not a, a popular opinion, uh, I'd almost just wait and, and go day two. I mean, I I know a lot of people don't like Kyle Trask. I don't. I think it's not that big of a risk to take him in round two or round three. Um, I actually think it's probably even more safer if you're not going to go up and get one of those top guys. I'm with you. If you trade up, it's got to be one of those top guys because I do think you know those top guys, the Lance Lawrence Fields Wilson, have a lot more higher upside than Mac Jones does. And I just don't want to be disappointed. I just you know, I, I don't want Bears to trade up for the wrong guy again. And you and I are sitting here in what 2025 doing this all over again because it would just drive me absolutely nuts. But we'll see. Um, Aaron, where can everyone read your work at and follow you on Twitter? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and then you can
3: read my work on the Bear Report com.
2: Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at at Zach Z a c k underscore Pearson. We'll be back next week with a brand-new episode. We'll start to get into a little draft talk um, and kind of break down the Bears offseason as we go. Until then, everyone, please rate, review, subscribe and pl- on all major podcasting platforms, and please stay safe.